Well, again, good morning. Good to be with you. Let's uh, pray this morning as we hear God's word. Jesus, thanks for the resurrection victory. Uh, it lets us gather here this morning because you have promised that the world will continue. You make this world continue a- as long as you want it to, for you live and reign over all things. I pray that we would all be able to, to gather together this morning and to hear this word with, a, with happy hearts. Uh, to calm the worries that bother us, take away the, the grief or calm and, and help us set aside the grief for a little while. Take away the anger and the fear so that we can, we can focus on the word. And don't let me, your servant, stand in the way of people hearing that word. Let whatever uh, comes from my mouth be a blessing to them. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I gave you the illustration last week, the picture last week. I'm not sure if that's going to work. Anyway, uh, I gave you the picture last week that you could imagine Easter a little bit like getting a letter from a legitimate law firm saying that you were the long-lost relative of a very important family. Like, say you were a, a member of the Kennedy family, and you just never knew it, and you had suddenly inherited millions of dollars. Now, that would be a pretty cool story to tell. It'd be a little awkward to have to tell your family that, tell you, well, I, I don't really belong in this family. I'm actually a Kennedy. I think they'd laugh at me. Um, but it, it would be a great story to tell. Can you imagine telling your friends, uh, say, hey, it's been nice hanging out with you for these years. You know, good to go to high school together. I'm off. I'm going to go to Switzerland for the weekend. I got some skiing to do, and then I got some big business deals to make, and I'll, I'll see you in Congress someday. Right? Can you imagine telling your, your boss at work, you say to your boss, thanks for helping me learn to teach these fourth graders so nicely, but I'm actually, next week, I'm, I'm off to be a VP of project development at some big Fortune 500 company. You know, I got big important things to do now. So you have a nice, nice time in your fourth grade classroom here. Thanks. You know, it, it would just be a crazy story, wouldn't it? Can you imagine trying to tell people that story? And and I think it would be awesome in a whole lot of respects. I mean, we would find it really awkward, like we talked about last week, trying to grow into this new identity, to be comfortable with this new identity. That would be so awkward. But it, it would be s- such a, a great story to tell in so many respects, all for one thing. What does that do for me? If you become a member of a new important family and you inherit millions, what does that do for me? Right? I mean, if, if I'm your friend and you've just inherited millions of dollars, does that help me? Uh, if, if I'm your brother and you've just become the brother of a very important person, where does that leave me? If I'm your mother and I'm walking, watching you walk out the door because you actually belong to another mother, what does that mean about me? And that's where the illustration for the, this message of, of you know, Easter really falls apart, doesn't it? It falls down because Easter doesn't ruin your life to make my life better. Jesus wants to give us in Easter a story like that that is great for all. And that's what we want to hear today from Jesus. It's a story that we can all celebrate. Jesus showed up to his brothers, to his disciples, in, as we hear about it in Luke chapter 24. He showed them his hands. He, he showed them his feet. He, he told them, calm down, peace be with you. Let me have something to eat. He is taking every step that he can to assure them he is actually alive. He is not a spirit or a ghost. And this is one of these places where Luke is going out of his way to tell you just how different the resurrection of Jesus from the dead actually is. Matthew, 
Luke, John, James, all these first disciples, they had no problem with the idea of a resurrection. They believed that someday people would rise from the dead. It's called the last day. And they knew that people could be spirits or ghosts or something like that before the end. After they died, you know, they could be spirits of some sort. But what nobody believed, what nobody believed is that somebody who, could die, who died could come back to life. Nobody believed that. No, nobody believed that somebody who was once dead could now be living again. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus said to them, that the once dead was now alive again. And he, he changed the entire, entire story with this one word. He said, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Now you've got to know how weird that is, right? Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. You've got you to know how weird that must have been for the disciples. And, and you can know how weird it is. If you look through the Old Testament, are you going to find the name Jesus? You don't. You, you find Joshua, which I know is the base, the same root as Jesus, but there's no name Jesus. Right? Uh, you know, if, if you read through the Old Testament, are you going to find the word cross? You don't hear about the cross. If you look through the Old Testament, are you going to hear about a soldier and an empty tomb? Nope. You're not going to hear those things. Right? What you will find, though, if you read the Old Testament, is a prophet who speaks to his people of a promised land. What you will find is a slave who sets people free. What you will find is a servant who saves people. What you will find is a king who reigns forever. What you will find is the high and the mighty made low, and the low and the low raised up. And you will find life forever. What Jesus is telling his disciples is he's saying, you know, the real stories of life, the great stories of life are all coming true. The really the best stories, right? The stories that you and I tell ourselves when we say to ourselves, if I sacrifice, I can get great benefit. If I serve, then I can succeed. Or, or if I give generously, then I can reap richly. I can harvest richly. But Jesus has said, the story has all changed. This is what it means when I say it's been fulfilled. The stories, the big things in life that you and I always tell ourselves to get, drive us from point A to point B, all those things are coming true. What Jesus is saying is, here's a story you can always celebrate. No matter how much bad has come into life, right? no matter how many people are sick, no matter how many people have, have died, no matter how many people are poor, I've got a story you can celebrate. I've beaten death. I've beaten sin. Right? No matter how much hell demands from you, I've given more, Jesus says. No matter how much death asks from you, God has answered more. No matter how much sin tries to steal from you, God has given more. This is a story that you can celebrate, the real story. They won't be true for you, right, if you don't trust him. But Easter says, here's a story you can celebrate always, no matter what else is going on, because of him. That's what Easter is. Right? It's a story. It's a story we celebrate. And unlike the, the ancient story of, of the ancient Israelites, 
It's a story for all of us. Easter is not really, I mean, I, we can use the illustration of the letter, but Easter is not really a story like, like a, getting a letter from a law firm that says you're a long-lost family. Easter's more like the story of Pheidippides. Do you know the story of Pheidippides? That's a great name, isn't it? We should all say Pheidippides five times fast. Ready? Here we go. Pheidippides, 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 Pheidippides. Did I get you? That was actually six. Yes, I win. Pheidippides was a man who lived in 490 BC, and uh, he, he became famous because he ran over the course of two days, 150 miles from Marathon, Greece to Sparta. He, he ran to Sparta to ask the Spartans to help come and fight the Persians in Marathon. And then he ran the 150 miles back to Marathon. A couple days later, he, he ran the much shorter distance from Marathon to Athens. Anybody know how long the distance from Marathon to Athens was? 26 miles. You know what we've come up with then because of, of what he ran. When he got into Athens, he said, hurry, rejoice, we won. And to this day then, we've had hundreds and millions and millions upon millions of people worldwide run the marathon. A race that has inspired people who are crazy everywhere to run the longest distance they could ever imagine in their life. Now, I think if I asked all of you, you know, there'd be maybe one or two people in this room who have ran a marathon. Anybody ran a marathon? Probably one or two of you, right? And, and maybe you know one or two people who, who have ran marathons. And yet, and yet the, the reality is, is that what Pheidippides did, it has inspired millions of people to take on what they call the most beautiful and the most rewarding pain of their lives, what a strange saying, huh? Most beautiful and most rewarding pain of their lives. But they have. They've inspired all of us, though, to greater health, to realize just how much the body can endure and just how far you really can go when you work at it. The story of Pheidippides, here's the point of the illustration, right? Jesus said to his disciples, the Messiah will suffer and die. He suffered and rose. Jesus is the one person in history who both lost and won all by himself. What do I mean? Ever since the beginning, since Adam and Eve, the first human beings, fell into sin, the world's been sorted into winners and losers. Abel died and Cain lived. Abraham got rich. Lot grew corrupt. The Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. The Israelites were slaves. Jacob had to run away from home. Esau got to stay home. David got a throne and King Saul was cast down. The Israelites went into exile. The Assyrians got to, to capture them. And even to this day, right, the world continues to be sorted into winners and, and losers. The, the, the Republicans win the election. The Democrats lose. The De Democrats win the election. The Republicans lose. This business wins the, the winner-take-all scene of, of tech, and that business loses out, right? This business gets the vaccine approval. That business loses out. It, it's always sorted out into winners and losers. And then along comes Jesus. 
Along comes Jesus, the one guy in all of history who can say, I suffered and I rose. I lost and I won. And, and he has, right? He has. He's the one guy in all of history who has both paid the price and gained the crown. He's the one guy in history who has gave it all up and he has won everything. He has changed the entire story. And it's the one story then, right? The death and the resurrection of Jesus is the one story that says that you and I at the same time are both more lost and more sinful and more broken than we really know or have ever thought of, but we're also more loved and forgiven and accepted than we realize. It's true. Both things with Jesus. When you're, when you're part of that story, right, if you want to be part of that story, the only way to get into that is through both repentance and forgiveness. Did you see what Jesus said? He said that. He said that it's repentance and forgiveness are preached in his name to all nations. What's he saying? He's saying this is the one story that encompasses all of humanity, right? We get to stop with Jesus sorting all of life out into winners and losers. No longer is it, I'm a good person, but my neighbor's not. No longer is it, I've succeeded, but my enemy has failed. With Jesus, it's, I've lost and I've won and my neighbor has succeeded, and my neighbor has failed. And there's always something then for us to gain through repentance and forgiveness. I can't help but think of the, the story of Corey Ten Boom a little bit, and I think some of you know her story because we've, we've talked about it before, but Corey Ten Boom was this woman who was in, uh, in the German concentration camps during World War II, uh, and her sister Betsy was there with her, and her sister Betsy died. After the war was over, Corey returned to Germany, and she preached, she preached the gospel. She went around to different little gatherings, and she preached the gospel. And one time, a, a man, a guard, came up to her after one of her talks and said, Fräulein, Fräulein, it's so beautiful, as you say, that our sins are so forgiven that they have been cast down to the bottom of the sea. And he said to her, but I have to ask you, I have to ask you, Fräulein, I was a guard at the camp where your sister died. Will you forgive me? And, and Corey said, I stood there. I, a person who had been forgiven thousands and hundreds of times in my life, I stood there and I couldn't forgive her. I couldn't, excuse me, I couldn't forgive him. I couldn't forgive him. Betsy had died at his hands, she said. And so I prayed, Jesus, help me. And, and then in that moment, she turned to him and he looked at him and said, I forgive you, brother. With all of my heart, I had never known love so intensely at that moment. And yet I knew that it was not my love. It was the love of the Holy Spirit. Now, I wanted you to think about that. What other message in the world, what other story that you and I tell ourselves is going to tell you to forgive a man who had, the hand, had a hand in killing your own sister. And in killing your own sister because he was participating in probably one of the most evil, the most horrendous acts that the, the world has ever known. The story of Jesus is the only story that says at the same time, here is a victor who has both won and lost so that you and I can be both forgiven 
and lost, broken sinners all at the same time. This is a story, Easter is a story we can all celebrate. We can all celebrate. And so that's what I want to invite you, that's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to take this as really the greatest story in your life. Here's the the next step, kind of I'd like to say, ask you to say to yourself, what is Jesus saying to me in his word? We are, we're taking a look these weeks at these basic steps, right, that we can take, not in growing in knowledge, not in growing in, in our behavior, but growing in understanding what Jesus is, where Jesus is leading us. And just ask ourselves, what's Jesus saying to me in his word? Because the word, this story, this story is, this is the greatest story where, this is the only story, in fact, where the word of God has become a man and died so that this word can be alive. The world is full of all kinds of great stories, but this story is both humble and magnificent all at the same time. It's both simple and profound. It's both uh, very very understandable, and it's amazing and profound beyond all imagination. And certainly this is the only story where somebody has died to make it come alive. So what is Jesus saying to you? What's Jesus saying to me in his word? I know that's, that can seem like a big question sometimes, um, and, and, and I know when, from asking some of you sometimes, you know, you, you kind of feel awkward at the moment, right? You're like, I don't know what Jesus is saying to me in, in his word. But, uh, you know, and, and it's easy to think that pastors always have these great insights about what, what God is saying because we've got all this great education or something like that, and it, it, it's really not like that. It's not because of our great education. You know, so what I, I do, and I've, I've got a, a book. I'm showing you a blank page because I don't want you to see my really bad handwriting. Um, but I, I, I got a little book where I just write down, I read a section of the scripture every day, and I write down one verse, and I ask myself to explain what the verse says, and I apply the verse to our time and our place, and then I say, all right, here's what God is saying to me. Here's how I'm going to respond to what God is saying. That's it. And, and when I talk to you then, or when I talk to other people, I can say, this is what Jesus said to me in his word. Because I've, I've heard it clearly. I've t- made note of it in my life. What's Jesus saying to you? Because this is the one story where somebody has come alive, and no matter who we are, great or small, holy or sinful, little or big, it's a story we can all celebrate. So let's pray. Lord, thanks for this great story. You have told us a story that is is beyond imagination, a story of a king who came, who suffered and rose so that we could stop sorting the world into losers and winners, into sufferers and saints, and we could say we are both lost and loved all at the same time. Forgive us, Lord, for taking for granted our part, our place in this story, and let us hear you speaking in it as somebody who has made it come alive. We get to be your people in a grand story of life. How great that is, Jesus. We thank you. We love you for it. Let us celebrate this story. In Jesus' name, amen.